0: All right, so Happy Easter, everybody, and Happy Resurrection Sunday, whichever you prefer. <laughs> Seems uh, some esteem other phrases above it, another. <laughs> um, so, as a as an introduction to this, if you could turn to 1 Corinthians fifteen, and while everybody's turning there, um, this is going to be part two of a message that I preached uh, at Christmas time. So I know some of you are here. Uh, not all of you but I'll try to recap as best I can um, but this is going to be the second part of that sort of like a holiday two-part holiday series um, that this is um, and you'll see you'll see how it ties into uh, Easter and the resurrection but so last time we uh, we walked through Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 and we saw that all things consummating consummated in the fullness of time so it was the fullness of time God sent forth his pre-existing son from heaven, God the Father. And we saw that this holy child was born of the virgin, a virgin uh, named Mary, and that he was born under the law so that he might redeem those who were under the law. And we saw that those who are redeemed receive the adoption as sons. I don't know why this is making me emotional right now, but uh, as we were singing those songs and um just reminded me of this but and he we became uh we received the adoption as sons as god's people as his sons and daughters uh we are heirs and co-heirs with christ and that jesus becomes the firstborn among many brethren that is the title of the message this is the firstborn among many brethren part two and sort of the easter edition and i'm not going to try to prove the resurrection this morning I'm not going to, I'm not going to recount the story of the empty tomb, but I'm going to, um, we're going to focus in on the final stage of our adoption. I'll explain that in a moment and how the resurrection of Jesus relates to our adoption. So in Roman society, there were two stages to the adoption process. There was the private ceremony and there was the public ceremony. And the private ceremony was basically where the transaction took place. That's where the purchase was made. All the legalities took place at this meeting. The papers were signed and it was official, right? Whoever this child, this child was going to be adopted. It was official in that meeting. And then there was the public ceremony, which was the adoption being declared before the officials. It was announced publicly to all the people and the child would finally be received into his or her new family. And likewise, as Christians, we have experienced the first stage of our adoption into God's family. We have been purchased by the blood of Christ. We have been given the seal of our adoption, the Holy Spirit that indwells us, which is our guarantee, right? This is the legal part, and this is what the Bible calls justification. We have been declared righteous and we are legally justified before God. And as you can picture, this child being waiting for uh, uh, being this adopted child, who's uh, the, the first stage has been set, the papers have been signed, right? They're excited that they're going to be adopted. But then, of course, there's this waiting period from the time that the papers are signed to the time that they're actually received into their new family, right? So you can just picture that anticipation. And we also are waiting for that final stage of our adoption as God's sons and daughters, waiting to experience the final stage, which is the redemption of our bodies. And as adopted sons and daughters of God, this, the best part of our inheritance, this heir and this co-heir with Christ that we, that we are, is yet to come we're in waiting aren't we it's been done we have the holy spirit we've been declared justified now we're waiting to be received and this is what the bible calls glorification we are waiting eagerly as the scripture says in romans eight twenty three 23 says even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons the redemption of our body you remember in john 14 jesus jesus said you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many dwelling places and if it were not so i would have told you he says but i go to prepare a place for you and if i go to prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself that's this is exactly what he was talking about he will come again and receive us Finally, unto himself. What a hope that we have. We're waiting, right? We groan within ourselves, don't we? Waiting for our adoption, the final stage of our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So before we dive into this final stage of our adoption, we have to clarify a couple of things biblically first. And the first thing I want to, Uh, bring out to you is this idea of firstborn. Now it says that in Colossians 1 18 it says he also the head of the body speaking of Jesus the head of the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So we have to understand biblically what firstborn means and typically it was given to the eldest son it was a position of distinction and prominence it indicated a position of strength given to the son to whom leadership of the family would pass when the father died okay but the status of firstborn was not necessarily given to the oldest child so don't be confused by the wording firstborn it's a title and in, so in Hebrew culture in Hebrew culture the title of firstborn was given to the one who was most prepared for the responsibility, or appointed by God. You remember Abraham gave the right of firstborn status to Isaac because Isaac was what? The son of promise, right? Was Isaac Abraham's firstborn? No. Ishmael was his firstborn. But Isaac was the son of promise appointed by God. You remember Jacob and Esau, the twins, right? Jacob uh, was, was Jacob the firstborn? No, Esau was born first. And what was Jacob doing while he was coming out of the womb? He was the heel catcher, right? He was coming out, grasping Esau's heel. But before this, God said that the elder son shall serve the younger. So it was appointed by God for Jacob to receive the birthright or the firstborn status. And remember, he uh, Jacob, of course, swindled his way to get this title, even though it was God's will. Um, and he and Esau sold his birthright or firstborn status for what? Remember, a bowl of lentils, lentil soup, right? And Jacob, of course, being the swindler that he is, um, deceived his father Isaac into giving him the blessing of the firstborn, which Esau felt it was his blessing to have, but it, of course it wasn't because he was appointed by God to be to the younger. So the firstborn of, among many brethren we see, that was Jesus the first to ever be born of a woman? We see that it's not chronological, right? Was Jesus the first to be ever born of a woman? No, but he is given firstborn status. You see that? Amongst all of God's creation. It's this idea of preeminence, rank, and distinction apart from all others. The second point I want to bring out for us to understand is this: the concept and the biblical idea of first fruits. First fruits. Now, first fruits is does speak of chronological order. Um, it was an agricultural term that was used in the scriptures to to describe the beginning of the harvest, and it was the, or the first sampling of the brand new harvest that was to come in. So it was harvest time. They bring in the first fruits to see what the harvest was going to look like. It was the first sampling. And Paul uses this agricultural term as a metaphor to describe the resurrection. In that, as the first fruits of the harvest were a sample showing that the, uh, what the other fruit of the harvest would look like, right? Likewise, in the resurrection, Christ is the first fruits representing the sample or the pattern for what our bodies will look like when we are raised from the dead. You with me? He is the first fruits of the resurrection. So when we look at Jesus and his resurrected body, we can know that what our resurrected bodies will be like. He represents the sample, the pattern. He's the prototype of the resurrection body. So the third concept I want to bring out is Was Jesus, we have to answer this question, and this is the difference between resurrection and resuscitation. It's important to understand these concepts when we're thinking about and studying the resurrection. Was Jesus the first to ever be raised from the dead? No, right? So how could he be the first fruits of the resurrection if he wasn't the first to ever be raised? Right? Who else died and came back to life prior to Jesus? Lazarus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Elijah, if we, we, we go back into the Old Testament, Elijah raised the widow's son, remember who died when the, during the famine? And he stretched out over his body three times and the Lord answered his prayer and gave the, the, the child back his life. Remember Jesus raised the boy at Nain who was coming out in the funeral procession. His mother was a widow also. And it, this was her only son who died. And at this point, he would have already been fully embalmed, wrapped with all the wrappings, myrrh and aloes and spices. And Jesus said, my son, I say to you, arise. And he sat up in his coffin and began to speak. And he returned him to his mother. Not long after that, Jesus also raised Jairus' daughter. Remember? And he goes, finally gets to the house, and he says to the people who were there, he says, stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And he took the disciples and the the child's parents and they went up to where she was. And he said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum, which means child arise. And the scripture says her spirit returned. Very important to understand that. The difference between resurrection and resuscitation. Okay? Her spirit returned to her original body. But Jesus used the word sleep metaphorically and it's important for us to understand because paul uses this term often speaking of the resurrect speaking of the dead and the resurrection jesus used the word sleep um to signify the nature of what happens at death that temporarily your soul or your spirit is separated from your body that's all it is and he used it um metaphorically as sleep, because when we're sleeping, right, we're temporarily not using our bodies in a sense. And then we awaken and we go back to our daily bodily activities when we awake. So he used this term to speak of this separation of soul and body. It doesn't mean that they're sleeping. They are dead. But this is the these are the particulars of what it is, what it is like. And so Jesus uses this metaphor of sleeping. And of course, you mentioned Lazarus. Lazarus was four days dead in the tomb, right? And Jesus raises him from the dead and he says, I need to awaken him out of sleep. So these people who were raised from the dead, right, because they were dead, right? But they it's better to understand them as as it um as being resuscitated in a sense or revived, and they're they're in that their spirit returned to their original earthly body and they came back to life, right? but only to eventually die again, right? So we need to see the difference between those who have been raised from the dead and Jesus' resurrection. See, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection in that he received the first of its kind, the newly resurrected body. That's the difference. Jesus didn't just return to his earthly body that was pulverized, lacerated, and crucified and come back to life, right? He received a brand new resurrected body. It was him. It was his body, but it was changed. And this is how he is the first fruits of the new resurrection, the newly resurrected body. So you see the difference there of those who have been raised in the resurrection of Jesus. So he is the first fruits of this resurrection so you're in first corinthians 15 so let's um begin reading and when we see the word raised we have to understand in the truest new testament sense we he is speaking of a of a brand newly resurrected body okay so let's start in verse 3 uh first corinthians 15 he says for i delivered to you as of first importance what i also received That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. See that term there? the Temporary separating the soul and the body, the spirit and the body. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, Paul says. Now let's skip down to verse 20. Of course, we don't have time to go through all this uh, uh, in Corinthians, but we're going to take bits and pieces of this uh, to put this together. Verse 20 says, but now Christ has been raised in that new, brand new resurrected body from the dead the first fruits of those who are asleep you see that he is the first fruits of those who have died their bodies been separated from their spirit for since a man uh, by a man came death by a man also came the resurrection of the dead present adam all die so also in christ all will be made alive but each in his own order christ the first fruits after that, those who are Christ at his coming. So you see, Christ is the first fruits of this brand newly resurrected body. It's important to understand in this passage it says, and after that, those who are Christ at his coming. In other words, nobody besides Jesus has received this resurrection body yet. Not, not Abraham, not Moses, not David, nobody, nobody. Has received no not Peter or Paul or anybody we've known who have died in Christ he is the only one that has received this resurrection body look at it it says after that those who are Christ at his coming now if you want to turn with me to first Thessalonians 4 if you want you don't have to I'll read it to you first Thessalonians 4 13 through 17 we're going to see this first Thessalonians 4 13 through 17. Paul says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are, what? Asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Their bodies, their their are they're, excuse me, temporarily separated from their body. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So there, they will receive their brand new resurrected body like unto Jesus's. He is the first fruits, right? And then it says, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So you see, um, the dead, those who have gone before us in Christ, all the believers, they are what the theologians call. They are in an intermediate state. They do not have their resurrection bodies yet. They will receive that resurrection body at the coming of Christ. At the second coming, all those who have, like I said, everyone who was in the Lord, who trusted in the Lord and trusted in Christ prior to to Jesus um, and after Jesus, right? He's the first fruits. But the, but all those who have died up until today in Christ will not receive their resurrection body until the second coming, until He comes again. They will receive their resurrection bodies first, and then those who are alive and remain will receive their resurrection bodies. So this we see is that fulfillment of John 14. I will come again and receive you to myself, right? So they are with the Lord, and I didn't have time to go go through this. They are with the Lord in, in an intermediate state. They are in fullness of joy in God's presence, but without their resurrection body yet. So, this is what we have to look forward to. Now, look, uh, skip down to verse 35, and we're going to answer this question here, uh, the second part of this verse. He says, but someone will say, how are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? So that's what we're going to seek to uh, answer, is with what kind of body do they come? So we get the order. We get that Jesus is the firstborn, the preeminent one, the firstborn from the dead. Right, He's also the first fruits to receive that brand-newly resurrected body. We're going to see more of that in a moment. And those who have died in Christ are with Him. They are with the Lord without their resurrection body, as, as Paul says, as those who are asleep, metaphorically speaking of their spirit being temporarily separated from their bodies. Um, and we're going to... Now look at what kind of body do they come where what is this hope that we are looking forward to? And it says in Philippians chapter 3 and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself but I couldn't wait to read this passage. Mm-hmm. But this is this is essentially what's happening, okay? Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 through 21. He says we eagerly wait for a savior, we got that part, right? We're waiting for our redemption, the fullness of our redemption. We are justified. Now we're waiting for our glorification, our glorified bodies. He says, We eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. Listen to that last line again who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. We will have a body like Unto his glorious body. So turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and we're going to look at this body and we're going to hopefully gain some hope and anticipation and excitement about what we have to look forward to. Remember, he's the first fruits. Whatever the rest of the harvest is going to look like, just look at the first fruits. That's the sample, right, of what everything else is going to be like. All of the harvest, all of our resurrection bodies will be like unto His glorious body. So you remember the account of the road to Emmaus when He appeared to the two disciples, and He uh, finally uh, He He veiled Himself to them and didn't allow them to recognize Him until he broke the bread at the end you remember when they sat down to eat and he broke the bread and he then they realized it was jesus and of course they were so excited and then it immediately says that he disappeared and they were so excited that they went back to tell the disciples who were in the upper room these were two disciples who had been also followers of jesus and they went back to tell the others and look at, at verse 36. Luke 24 36 he says while they were telling these things that they had just experienced he himself that is Jesus stood in their midst and said to them peace be to you but they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit so keep that in the back of your mind they thought they were seeing a spirit and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone, bones as you see that I have. Notice he says, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. But when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish almost to prove to them that he was a physical resurrected body. They have they they gave him a piece of fish and he took it and ate it before them. So keep in mind that what we have to look forward to in our resurrection bodies. And so turn back with me to 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to look at, we're going to jump to verse 42. Because I want to bring out four contrasts that Paul uses to describe this resurrection body that we so uh, look forward to in our glorification. Remember, we're like the child who's been adopted, but they haven't been picked up yet. Imagine the anticipation. I know it's done, the papers have been signed, but they haven't received me yet. But we are. Are likewise waiting eagerly for our final stage of our adoption as well. In verse 42, Paul says, So also is the resurrection of the the dead. So he's uh, harking back to his prior argument to the Corinthians about the resurrection. And he says, This body is sown a perishable body, but it is raised imperishable. And Paul uses. For contrast, to help us understand, your Bibles may say corruption, a corruptible body, um, but raised incorruptible. And so, like unto Jesus, this body that he has, um, our bodies are perishable as well, but will be raised imperishable like unto his. See, our new resurrection bodies will not wear out or grow old. The gradual process of aging will not be there. This, this, what we are subject to corruption. See, our, in our bodies, our cells fail to replicate perfectly. And this is the essence of what aging is. And they also fail to keep out outside influences. And so that is the basis for disease and sickness is our cells fail to replicate themselves perfectly. And being that we are in this fallen state is fallen body and this this susceptibility this um, perishable which which um, is susceptible to sickness and disease and ultimately death right we will never again in our new resurrection bodies be subject to sickness or disease or any process of corruption because of this we will show no signs of aging um, you think about Jesus, as we just read in his resurrected body, he didn't come back an old man, right? He didn't raise an old man. He didn't raise it a, as a, a, a child, right? We will have characteristics of youthful, but mature manhood and womanhood forever. No more Botox for Mark. Merklinger. No worries there, Mark. Thank you. Mm. (laughs) We have to begin to picture this, and this—this—the mystery is still in the resurrection body of Jesus. But there's a lot of detail that we can gather and and take hope in in this new resurrection body. The being the pinnacle of God's creation, our new resurrection bodies will show God's perfect wisdom. It will display what humanity was intended to be like from the beginning before sin entered the world. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden before sin entered in. The second contrast he uses is that it's sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. Sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. The word for glory is doxa, which is where we get our word doxology from. And when contrasted with dishonor, we get a couple of things here. We will have no more shame, this dishonor, this, we will have no more shame anymore because of our sinfulness. Think of that in our new resurrected state. We will no longer fall short of the glory of God. Think of that. We are sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. It also speaks of beauty and attractiveness and appearance. You, you know, you, the youth get all the good looks and no wrinkles, right? We start, as we age, we start to wrinkle and get gray hair and all this other stuff. This is the process of aging because our bodies are perishable, corruptible, but will be no longer. And I brought a little object lesson here I wanted to show you. Don't worry, this plant is... Real I, I promised. No. yeah right <laughs> It's really fake. You look fake? my Look at the difference. Here's the seed, right? Sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. Look at the difference, right mm-hmm. But there's continuity. the you say what continuity? The DNA that's in this. Is this if you sow the sunflower seed you're gonna get a sunflower right you're not gonna get an ear of corn right so we will look like ourselves just like Jesus was we're gonna see in a, in a second there's some continuity again there's some still some mystery in the resurrected body but they did recognize him so let's let's look at that for a second you remember when Jesus rose from the dead and he, and he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Um, and she thought him, take note, to be the gardener. So he wasn't in his former body, beaten, pulverized, lacerated, and crucified. She probably would have recognized him if he walked over to her in that state, right? She saw him on the cross. So he wasn't just resuscitated, it was a brand new resurrection body. But also, once he spoke to her, then she recognized that it was Jesus, And she didn't walk up to him and say, "Hey, wait a minute, you're not Jesus." There was continuity there. There was, there was similarities in appearance, but yet perfected in glory. And so likewise, we will be recognizable as well. We're not going to be different people. We're going to be the same person with some continuity, but yet glorified, imperishable. And glorious and his physical body it was a physical body but it was changed you have to remember that he was raised bodily but it was changed it wasn't his original body perishable body it was his body that was changed now let's look at the third contrast It was sown in Still in verse 43, sown in weakness, but raised in power. The word for power is dynamis, is where we get our word dynamite from. We will no longer have the weakness of temptation, which leads to sin. That's one aspect, our moral weakness, right? We will be sown in weakness, but raised in power. We will be given the fullness of the strength God intended us to have, in creation, and the power to do his will for all of eternity. We will have fullness of strength. Like Jesus, our resurrection body will have no need for sleep, no need for recuperation or rest, right? We get tired throughout the day. I'm going to go home. No more naps for Tim. i got to pick on you too. I was going to say Mark, but you know. <laughs> right? No need to recuperate, right? Because our bodies are not perishable our bodies are not are, are weakened or excuse me our our bodies will not be perishable now our bodies are weakened right but we will be raised in power in the fullness of strength provided in our new bodies we will have no need for rest and the beautiful picture of this is is what they um, many would call the eternal day and what happens when we get together and we have fun and we love this fellowship and this gathering time? We don't, sometimes we just don't want it to end, right? And most, most times we, we end our day because we're tired, right? We have to go home, rest up, and then so that we could start over the next day, right? Eternity is the eternal day. There's no night there. There's no need to go home and rest. There's no need to recuperate. We're going to be with one another in fellowship together with Him. And with one another the eternal day what a beautiful thing it's never going to end there's not going to be any need for goodbyes in the fourth contrast that Paul uses he says uh, let's look at verse 44 and we'll read through verse 49 it is sown a natural body but it is raised a spiritual body if there is a natural body there is also a spiritual body so so also it is written the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, which is Jesus, became a life giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Now, listen to this. This is the beautiful. Of this, just as we have borne the image of the earthy Adam, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. You see that right now, we do bear the image of Adam and Eve, right? But we will then bear the image of the heavenly. And we, and I already mentioned this that our new body will not be a spirit body. Think. Think back to what Jesus said. They thought to him, they thought him to be a spirit. But he says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Notice that he doesn't say flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. If you look down at verse 50 to the next verse, he says, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Our bodies are energized and animated by the blood. Remember what Moses said 3,000 years ago, before they came to understand this in the medical world. He said the life of all flesh is in the blood. So let's say you were able to snap your fingers right now and remove the blood out of my body in an instant. I would flop to the floor like a sack of potatoes, right? The life of the flesh is in the blood. Notice Jesus does not say flesh and blood. He says flesh and bone. Our life, blood, if you will, our life is not going to be blood, it is going to be the power of God within us that is going to animate us and energize us and give us the power. It's His power, right? So He still bears this. Body that he had now, but it was changed. But yet he still bears the marks of the crucifixion, doesn't he? Remember, he tells Thomas when he goes up into the upper room again. He says, "Look again," because he doubted the first time when they told him, and then Jesus reappeared back into the upper room, and he says, "Look in my hands and my feet," and he touches uh, his his hands and his feet and and his side, and these marks will be a reminder for all of us for all of eternity Mm -hmm. all those who will ever be redeemed Mm -hmm. it will be an eternal reminder that we are not there by our good works Mm -hmm. that we did not enter into that we could never boast Mm -hmm. ever in in anything in and of ourselves but he bears those scars for that purpose as a reminder of the great work that he did upon the cross dying as our substitute in the our substitutionary atonement for sin so these bodies they're real visible to the eye they are able to be handled remember they they touched him they mary grabbed onto him they're able to be handled and touched um, they're recognizable there's some continuity to our earthly uh, appearance as to our heavenly appearance there's some similarities there and we will possess the ability to eat how awesome is that yeah. <laughs> the blessing of being able to enjoy food Italian so yeah <laughs> I mean right exactly we get excited about food don't we it's a blessing from god and adam and eve ate in the garden right you're free to eat any of the trees of the garden except for one right they enjoyed the blessing of food and eating and jesus says have you anything here to eat and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them flesh and bone not flesh and blood Flesh and bone, empowered by his great power and glory. Now, this begs the question, how did he get in the upper room? In John's account, it says that when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, and the doors were shut because the disciples feared the Jews. They didn't want the Jews to know where they were. So they, when they... Went up into the upper room, they barricaded themselves in there because they didn't want anybody to see them because they for fear. And it says that Jesus came and stood in their midst. Mm-hmm. See, like Jesus, our new bodies will not be subject to the natural order, we will not be limited as we are now to time and space. We will have a spiritual body, not a spirit body. Notice it's not a spirit body. They didn't, they thought he was a spirit body, but he said, No, touch me and feel right i'm not but the molecular structure of his resurrected body was different he was not subject to the natural created order as we see it now the atoms and molecules that make up our bodies now will be different like unto jesus remember he's the first fruits this is the final stage of our adoption our resurrection bodies the glorious thing and my hand right is made up of atoms and molecules okay just like everything of all matter i think it's just energy it doesn't have atoms and molecules everything is made up of atoms and molecules in my hand this wall repels the atoms and molecules that make up this wall repel the atoms and molecules that make up my hand the like marksman looking at me like i put my fist through walls all the time what are you talking about but is that Jared <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I should have picked on Jared yeah, on that. <laughs> yes, he does. But listen, like unto Jesus, the molecular structure of our new resurrected bodies will be completely different. We will not be subject any longer to this natural created order as we see it now. And he could appear and reappear. Right. Mm -hmm. He was not subject to the natural order and neither shall we. He could appear and reappear as he did with the Mm -hmm. disciples on the road to Emmaus, uh, as he did with the 11 a few times up in the upper. he, He appeared, as we read, many times. Right. Even to upwards of 500 people at one time. He could eat. He could move around freely and quickly. And he had the power even to ascend into heaven. <clears throat> see 1st John 3 2 says what it says See if I can know uh, I got it memorized it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he appears we shall see him as he is but we shall be like him have you have we handled the resurrection body of Jesus do we actually see we can we can describe it we can look at these accounts and get a sense and get some but When we see him, we shall be not only like him physically, but also morally and spiritually like him. So, we've seen the final stage of our adoption as sons and daughters of God. And that this is our glorification. We are waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. We've seen that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, right? the very first of its kind. He is the prototype of the newly resurrected body. And we can read these accounts and know that we shall be like him. Let me read it again. We we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. We've also seen that no one else will be raised Bodily like that until his second coming, right? We're also seeing that we're sown a perishable body But raised imperishable no longer subject to sickness and disease Never never again subject to weakness decay But we will be raised in power and in strength and in beauty no longer subject to the natural order of things. Think of that. And most importantly, never to die again. Paul said prior to this, he said, the last enemy to be abolished is death. Now look down at verse 54. We'll skip down to there and we'll finish out here. He says, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal We'll have put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Remember what leads to death, sin, and then our fallen bodies are susceptible to the disease, right? Sin always leads to death. He says, but death is swallowed up now in victory because of his resurrection. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death. Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin meaning this sin always incurs God's judgment and wrath. That's the sting of death. See but as Christians we no longer have to fear death because Christ paid the penalty for our sin, right? We no longer have to fear. God's judgment and wrath because of sin. That's what it means when it says the sting of death is sin because sin will always incur God's judgment. Remember in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment, right? We no longer have to fear because death has lost its sting. It no longer holds that, 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 uh, that permanence of judgment, that, 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 that that's going to definitely happen, right? That, that's taken away. That sting of death is removed. And this is where this sort of um, exaltation comes from. And he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory we no longer have to fear death. And I know many Christians who fear death, right? We know many people who fear death, right? That's what, that's what causes people to despair and sin and because of their fear of death and judgment. But we no longer have to fear death because death has lost its sting because of the resurrection of Christ and that we follow in that resurrection. That he is the first fruits of this beautiful bodily resurrection. So, I love what he says in John 14. So simple, but so profound. He says, but because I live, you will live also. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him and he will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. What a great hope we have in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this great hope uh, that you've given us in the bodily resurrection, in your bodily resurrection, Lord. That, uh, Lord, what a beautiful truth. And I pray that you would encourage us, Lord, and strengthen us, um, help us to always be reminded of the great hope we have that we no longer have to fear death any longer, but that it's just a temporary separation from our bodies. But at your coming, we will receive, if we pass on from this world, um, that we will receive our newly resurrected body. when return. And if we're alive and we remain, that we will be caught up and changed in the twinkling of an eye and receive our new resurrection bodies as well. And Lord, we thank you and we give you praise and glory and honor and just are so uh, overwhelmed with these great truths and all the beautiful things that we have to look forward to. Never to have to rest, never have to sleep. We're going to be fully strengthened and empowered with your strength and your power and your might. Never have to be subject to perishable and corruption. And sickness and disease but we will be raised in power raised in glory like as you are and we give you all the glory and praise we ask your blessing upon the remainder of our time together in christ's name we pray amen, amen. happy easter Excellent. great word thank you.